Duke's mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang. This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. This week, we're talking with Lone Rider Brewing. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Galen Smith, the head brewer at North Carolina's Lone Rider Brewing. We're going to talk about Lone Rider's 10th anniversary, outlaws, beer trends, and we might even get into some spirits. Galen, thanks for joining us. Uh, absolutely. Tim, Brian, how you guys doing? We're doing very well. Thank you. You know, we're going total outlaw. We went for a really a really heavy, serious beer right out of the gate here. We yeah, have we do it. Loon-style Pilsner. So we're, we're seeing uh, Pilsners are, are picking up a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about your take on the beer? I sure can. Yeah, so um, saloon-style Pilsner is a beer that's in a series of the saloon style. Um, so there's other beers in the saloon style. We have saloon-style Pilsner, saloon-style Smash, um, and, a, and a few others. And it's kind of because of the way things are now in the beer industry, the lines are kind of blurred as far as styles go. Um so, you know, saloon-style Pilsner is really our own take on uh, Pilsner, and we made our own style. Um, and it's kind of a blend of <clears throat> a few different. It's a, kind of a hybrid of uh, German and Bohemian Pils. Um, it's brewed with Pilsner malt, uh, an abundance of Saz hops. And then we dosed a little bit of lemon zest at the, uh, the end of the boil as well as the Whirlpool. See, so saloon-style is a, a series of beers that you do or a family of beers that Lone Rider does, right? Yeah, that's correct. See, I was kind of hoping you were going to tell me we found this under a dusty bar stool in a saloon, the remnants of a saloon from the 1860s. That would have... And reconstructed it using yeah. chemical analysis. And that's what made it saloon-style. <laughs> and that would have been a better story. That would have been a good story. Yeah. Absolutely. You can start telling that story. Yeah. We won't tell anybody. We won't tell anybody there for sure. Well, Brian, busy week. Brian, busy week for you. Very busy. Are yes. you jet lagged? Does three hours cause jet lag? It's not the three hours. It's the constant like less than four hours of sleep every night and the go go yeah. go on a con- convention trade show floor. So, right. yeah, I was uh, I was over in Las Vegas, Tim. I was doing a cigar trade show. Right. Believe it or not. Uh, but I did sneak in some beer while I was there. I snuck out and checked out. Uh, I didn't even have to sneak out of the uh, the Venetian Casino. Sin City Brewing has a tap room right there in the casino. I didn't expect a lot. It's a you know, it's it's a casino. Yeah, you know? brewery and a casino, right? Yeah. Tap room. Good good IPAs. They had a good seasonal hazy okay. IPA. They had a good traditional British IPA. I thought they were amazingly refreshing. Good flavor. I'm like, okay. this was really good. This is very convenient. 
But uh, my favorite thing was getting out to Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas and that Morning Joe Coffee Kolsch. I'm in love with that beer. That's so wonderful. I went there it's just so for that It's so easy to get you enamored with a Coffee Kolsch or a oh, Blonde yeah. or, oh, absolutely. or something like that. Just throw coffee in any beer. Basically, yeah. I, you know, PBR has a coffee beer. I've heard out. about this. Yes, and I'm, I'm yes, a little excited about it. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Have you yeah. tried that one yet, Galen? Have you got some PBR coffee beer? I don't think it's made its way to Raleigh yet. But yeah, it's like, okay. I don't even know if yeah. it's, they're marketing it as coffee beer. It's more like a hard coffee, right? You know, I think you're right. Cool. I think I did see it's more, they're going more hard coffee with it. So I'm okay with that. I will try it. Yeah. I will try it for science. <laughs> For the beer industry, I will try. I'll it. certainly try. For you, Brian, he'll try it. Yeah. So I even got to do a bottle share out there with some fellow uh, okay. beer, craft beer slash cigar nerds. But uh, so, what did you do? I was out doing that. What were you doing while while I, was I gone? celebrated the fact that you weren't here? Was my big thing. That That's was the event. that was the big party. The Brian's not here. Yeah. No Brickstore Pub, Brian. Your timing. Yeah. I know you love your cigar trade show annual pilgrimage out there to hang out with your yes. cigar nerd side friends of things there. So always <laughs> a good time. But uh, Brick Store Pub, one of my favorite bars in the world, one of Atlanta's uh, greatest bars. Actually, Decatur had their anniversary, 22nd anniversary. So I went out there, uh, checked that out, had a few beers there. And uh, they were doing a Colts service. Brian, Brian, have you ever partaken of a traditional Kolsch service i don't think so is it like a oh is it like a church do you go in or the pews and everything no 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 the uh, well maybe there are in the i don't know you're thinking yours sounds religious i mean it could be bit. so could be. well they had this set up in the beer garden you know behind okay. the, behind the pub there and basically what it is they've got these round trays that have holes where they put the I, I know I get the name of this wrong, this glass wrong. Stang or Stange? Galen, do you know the glasses I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I've always pronounced it uh, Stange. Stange. Uh, that's, uh, we're going to go with that then. So, But they've got the tray with those on there. So what you do, Brian, is you just kind of hang out and you get a coaster and you drink your coaster and they come around with trays and they give you another one and they put a tick mark on your on your coaster. So once you're done sipping coasters, then you square up. It's just easy way to keep the beer flowing. Oh, I like that. It just keeps I knew coming. you'd be down oh, for that's that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was a good time. They're like the very like slender, uh, straight sided glasses that are designed to be like drank quick, so you can have another. That's it. Yeah, just a perfectly straight glass, tall and slender. That's it exactly. It's like a yeah. churis churiscaria or what was the the meat thing? The Brazilian oh, that, meat I know house. You're I wasn't sure beer. where you were going, but now I get it. A beer iscaria or something, whatever. Well, it actually <laughs> said turn your coaster over when you were done, so it is like the churiscaria, the Brazilian steak. Yes, the Brazilian steak. Turn yes. your coin over to the red side when you don't want any more steak. So, you know, I think it is time for the beers of the week, Tim. Crack open a cold one. It's the Truck and Tap Beer of the Week. Woo-hoo! Craft beer and food trucks in downtown Woodstock. Truckandtap.com. Well, Brian, as always, we have a fantastic list to drink from. We got some Lone Rider beers, as you might expect. We sip in the Saloon style Pilsner. We all Saloon style Pilsner. We also have the Hoppy Kaye IPA. And Brian, you pulled a couple from the vault. Yes, didn't it you? did. So we have a 2013 and a 2015 pistols at dawn that is a brunch stout so we're going to get into that we pre-gamed with a new one from creature conference thank you creature conference for the hookup here everything is a dry hopped pilsner which i enjoyed man i enjoy a little hops in the pilsner there and then out from arizona man going out west to the wild wild west from tombstone brewing we have their passion fruit Ber- berliner and brian i was asking myself where is tombstone brewing and that's because i'm an idiot that i had to <laughs> ask myself that it's uh, Tombstone, Arizona, as it one is, may in guess. Fact, so, yes. Yeah, so that's our beers that we'll sip on this week, Brian. What is going on in the news? 
What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. All right, so we've got an update to a story we were t- reported last week. So Ru- Brewbound is telling us that Sellis Brewery has filed for bankruptcy, which is actually a good thing for them because that causes the foreclosure auction to be canceled. So they were not auctioned off. The bankruptcy filing uh, gives us an idea of how bad the situation is, though. Uh, the brewery's total debt exceeds $10 million, and that's to hundreds of creditors, including brewery supply companies like Berlin Packaging, uh, Country Malt, and the Crosby Hop Farm, not to mention debts to the IRS, the Texas Alcohol and Beverage Commission, and the TTB's Excise Tax Bureau, which is, those are bad people owe money. You that's, don't want to owe them money. That's right. like, that's just about as bad as organized crime. You it don't is. want to owe well, either of those Well, it basically is. To, yeah, yeah. Yes. In a statement released this week, Christine Sellis uh, said that we intend to fix all of our issues through Chapter 11 process, it will allow us to continue to make my dad's legendary beers and grow within more realistic parameters. Noting that the uh, brewery will continue to operate as it always have with no changes to beers or brewing method or distributors. So it's like they, th- Man, they seem they, to think they can keep I going. I was going to say they've got to have a plan because what was it just two years ago? They revived the brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's only Boy, two years old. To get that deep in in two years. They started really badly, like yeah. really deeply in debt. I think they, they set it up to fail, really, from a okay. financial standpoint. That's my understanding. All right. So bad news for lovers of bourbon and barrel-aged beers. Thousands of barrels of Jim Beam bourbon were burned in a warehouse fire. Two Jim Beam warehouses went up in smoke on Tuesday evening, taking with them 45,000 barrels of bourbon. 45,000 barrels. Tim. That makes Brian, me sad. Isn't so it? Sad. But yes. isn't this like the third or fourth one Yes, that's yeah. either fallen apart or burnt? What's going on in Kentucky? I have no idea. They, they seem to think it's a uh, lightning was involved in it. And the uh, the parent company is saying they don't anticipate this is actually going to make an impact on your ability to buy Jim Beam. Okay. I think it could be lightning or it could be some white lightning and some rednecks getting a little crazy. That I don't know. Too. You know, I had some friends that their main concern was, was my, Mila Kunis okay yes. here in the Jim Beam collapse? <laughs> I there. can report yeah. that she is fine. She was unharmed. Mila okay. Kunis is safe from the Jim Beam from fire. The, okay. Yes. Well, that's good news. It's a good good news to hear as we go for a break brian you listen to the beer guys radio show and we'll be back very soon with more from lone rider brewing have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built we're story time construction and we build breweries we're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. As a brewery owner or taproom manager, are you looking for ways to enhance your customer experience while maximizing your revenues? Craft Seller is a mobile solution that helps your brewery drive sales and attract new customers through online pre-sales for beer releases, events, and memberships. Get details now at craftseller.com. Mention Beer Guys Radio after sign-up and extend your free trial to a full 30 days. Remember, craftseller.com, C-R-A-F-T-C-E-L-L-R.com. Follow 
of the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The numbers all go to 11. Does that mean it's louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Now, back to the Beer Guys radio show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys radio show. If you miss an episode, don't worry. All episodes are available as a podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and never miss a show. Now more from Galen Smith and Lone Rider Brewing. Galen, I was looking at the Lone Rider website. I was uh, basically stalking you online to find out what I could find out about you. <laughs> as you do. And yes, as you do. And I found out on a post you did, it looked like maybe I think five years ago, uh, you mentioned kind of how you got into brewing and also mentioned you're a private person, didn't really want to share all that info. So I think uh, now is a good time to mention all of that again right here on the on the radio. But uh, yeah, sure thing. No, we won't Start dig crying. it up too much. We'll just uh, the short version, if I understand correctly, you discovered uh, you discovered kind of craft beers uh, when you were on a trip to Amsterdam, sitting on a patio over there. You got some uh, some Dutch beers and Belgian beers, and uh, that led you on a journey because you couldn't find them back here in North Carolina. That uh, you started home brewing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the short of it. Yep, that's a show. I thought that was kind of a good a good synopsis. Yeah, it's a good summary. Okay, and then that. Uh, how did you go from home brewer to professional brewer? Well, <clears throat> um, you know, I started home brewing shortly after I got back from the Netherlands, and um, I was a cook. I was a I was a line cook, and then eventually became a chef. And uh, I was home brewing at the time, and um, I got to that point that every chef gets to where they just get burnt out. You know, like they're, they're going to keep going or they're going to, you're going to die. And, um, at, at that point, at that breaking point in my life, I, uh, got in touch with the owner of the homebrew store that I was buying my supplies from, and they had an opening for a sales clerk. And I was like, yes, I will, I will work for you. I'll, I'll work at a homebrew store. And, uh, and so I did that for a couple of years and really, you know, because of the, the awesome discount I got, you know, got to feel, familiarize myself with the, uh, the ingredients that we were selling. And, um, and then about two years after that, um, I was approached by a guy who opened up a brewery, uh, outside of Raleigh and, um, I helped him open up his brewery and, uh, I worked for him for three years. And then, um, after that, uh, went to work for Lone Rider in October of 2011. And then, uh, was there for about two years and was promoted to head brewer. It's pretty quick movement. That's yeah, good that's, stuff, man. So you mentioned that you were a chef uh, prior to this. How much does your culinary background impact the way you brew? You know, um, there are a lot of parallels there. Um, you know, as far as like paying attention to time and temperature and uh, sometimes sanitation, more so in brewing, a lot more in brewing than than uh, than cooking. Um, but uh, But not as much as you'd think. Like, I don't... I don't use as many crazy ingredients in brewing as I do when I was cooking. Um, I'm much more of a purist uh, when it comes to beer production. Um, you know, that's kind of my. I noticed mostly got a half a brown ale, you know, uh, IPAs and a Pilsner in that. We we haven't seen any double cream sickle, triple dry hopped glitter beers from you. Yeah, you yet. probably won't. <laughs> Okay. All right. Fair enough. I think it's funny that uh, the, the the attention to sanitation and cleanliness is much higher for beer than it is for food, like at a restaurant. But true, though, like, right? I yeah. mean, I think it is true, but it's it. You know, this is a recreational drink with alcohol in it that should kill off anything, but far more focused on that than yeah. at a restaurant. That's kind of trips. If me a little out. bit of chicken spoils, so be it. Yeah. But we don't want to risk Just a batch of beer. Yeah. Well, a lot of the food that, that come out to your plate um, from a commercial kitchen, you know, 
um, go through pasteurization anyway. So, right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So you've spoken on how much different it is to be, to go from home brewing to be a professional brewer. And a lot of home brewers like really romanticize the professional brewing thing. What's like some of the biggest eye-opening things, the biggest surprises you had going to uh, being a pro brewer from being a home brewer? I don't know, man. Like uh, going into it, I had a pretty good idea of what the job was going to entail because I did have like such a hectic career in, um, in commercial kitchens prior to that. Um, so I kind of knew what I was getting into. I knew that it was going to be hot. Um, long hours, um, you know, I wasn't going to see my family much. Um, but the things that I didn't, that I didn't know, um, just how, how expensive it is really to, to produce beer. Um, honestly, you know, I thought I, I had no idea how much the equipment costs were, um, you know, cost of goods, cost of repair and maintenance because stuff breaks every day. Those, those are the big ones. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something we've seen, you know, as home brewers, it's Brian and I have helped out a few times on brewing commercial batches of beer. And I remember the first one we helped on, boy, it, it whipped our butts pretty good. Brian. Yes, it, it did. Because, you know, you go from uh, the home brewer, you're hanging out in the garage or the backyard, you're brewing a little batch, you're hanging with your buddies, the grill's going at the same time, whatever. Yeah. When you've got a thousand pounds of grain to, to mill and get in the mash ton. You know, that are, that's not going to, you're not going to do all that other stuff. So, no, you're not. And uh, bro- and especially with Lone Rider, like we're brewing on a 20 barrel system. Um, and we fill 60 and 80 barrel fermenters daily. Um, I mean, we're on track to brew probably around 16,000 barrels this year. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're brewing a lot. We're brewing at least three times a day to fill our sixties and four times a day to fill our eighties. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. You know, we have a silo, so, you know, our base malt is, uh, is covered there. So, you know, you're not lifting sacks of two-row, but all the specialty malts, you're, you're lifting them, and it's, it's, it's hot, man. Uh, that's some hot yeah, work. You know, the first indication I had at how expensive, like, actual real production brewing equipment was was when I started looking at uh, brew kettles uh, for home brewing that were beyond much beyond the eight or 10 gallon size, they started to go up in price astronomically. Really I'm like, oh, yeah. what Mine, is going on here? The one that I bought. Oh yeah. Cause you got a nice one. The fancy yeah. burner. Yeah. Mine's a hodgepodge. Mine's <laughs> like a, a leftover crab oil burner. And I, I had a sign on bonus, you know, yeah. there you go. Pay for a car, or buy a home. <laughs> Get it in there. <laughs> Priorities. Galen, my mash ton, my cousin from Mississippi came through uh-huh. to visit and left the cooler at my house, and it's a rectangular cooler that has an imprint on the front of a guy bass fishing. <laughs> and that was con- – Brian, we have made – we put some really nice beers through that Award-winning beers well, have yeah, come through yeah. that cooler, yes. But, you know, and that's something that I, th- I do think that, uh, you know, from what I've seen and heard, having that kind of ingenuity as a home brewer, tinkering in that, all that's going to serve you really well being a pro brewer, It right? will, yeah. I mean, you know, so long as you're on a non-automated system, you know, I mean, that's going to do you uh, a lick of good if you're, you know, brewing for a brewery where you can mash in from your kitchen table at your house. Um, but if you're working for a brewery like like Lone Rider, yes, having the mechanical background and ingenuity to design, repair, and all that good stuff on your equipment, it's vital. So Mitch Steele can't get in there and start tinkering no, with that system, Mitch I don't is, think. No. I've seen Mitch's office. He's got brew controls and a guitar. And I, I can't speak to Mitch Steele's yeah. uh, mechanical background. So, <laughs> Right, yeah. 
So what would be the biggest tip that you would give someone now, you know, now that you've got some years under your belt, if someone is a home brewer and wants to go into uh, professional brewing, what would be the main tip you gave them? Make sure that you really want to do it. Um, because, you know, just like when I was, when I was a cook, I became a cook because I loved cooking at home. Then when I became a professional cook and chef, I didn't cook anything at home. I was eating cereal. Um, yeah. And then when I became a brewer, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't brew at home anymore. So make sure that it's what you want to do. Make sure that your heart's in it. Um, that's the big thing for, for me. Absolutely. Um, second, um, be humble. You're going to mess up. You know, you're going to make mistakes and it's inevitable. And the, the best thing to know is, you know, like you're, is that you're going to make those mistakes and how you're going to recover from those. Even if you're the best home brewer, that doesn't mean you're going to step foot on a professional brew system and crank out identical beers to what you were making at home, right? Yeah, no, I mean, you might be able to, but I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're going to screw up. You're going to become complacent at some point. And with that comes failure. And, and the most important thing is to know how to, how to fix it, how to recover from that. And don't be afraid to tell somebody, don't be afraid to tell your boss that you messed up. Absolutely. Yeah. Own up to it and move forward. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We need to take another break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Lone Rider Brewing. We are Reformation Brewery, celebrating the reformer in you. Locally crafted within the renowned Etowah watershed of Woodstock, Georgia, Reformation creates yeast-forward brews full of aroma and flavor crafted to last. Come see us in beautiful Woodstock, Georgia, for a tour and tasting of unique brews that you can't find anywhere else. Reformation Brewery, set beer free. ReformationBrewery.com Craft beer forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel-aged, hoppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show Shake it, welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates klid 1340 am in poplar bluff missouri catch beer guys radio on klid every saturday at 4 p.m central now let's get back to our talk with galen smith and lone rider brewing Galen, we, we did plenty of good homebrewing talk there, got some good advice in that, but we want to talk some about Lone Rider. Sure so you guys just, uh, you celebrated your 10th anniversary, I believe. The actual anniversary was in January, correct? Yeah, that's right. And then you, a big party in April, but I think I saw that you're going to have events kind of throughout the year to celebrate 10 years. Yeah. What uh, So what have you got planned, uh, you know, kind of coming up there? You know, it's mostly releases at uh it, some of our 
accounts, some of our more loyal accounts. Um, we also just opened up um, a satellite uh, tasting room in Wake Forest, North Carolina, which is just a town away from us, just about 15 minutes, really. Um, so we'll probably have, you know, uh, you know, an anniversary party there. Um, 10 years for a North Carolina brewery is kind of a big thing. Yeah, it is. You know, craft beer 10 years ago wasn't, I mean, there were, there were craft breweries in North Carolina, but there weren't many for sure. Yeah. That's the same thing we see here. You know, we've got, uh, we've got maybe two or three that are 20 years, 25 years old, but you know, for the most part, if you're six years old here, you're, you're ancient. I know it's funny in, in Georgia here. Yeah, it is. Now the uh the Wake Forest tap room, is that just a tap room tasting room? Do you do any brewing? No, there? we don't. Um that is just a satellite tasting room. Um there we might have a small pilot brewing system there. By small I mean very, very small. Um in the future, but really it's just it's just a tasting room. You could go in there and do some home relive your homebrew days on a little Yeah, little yeah we just system, bought one right? of those um one of those uh Zymatic systems. Um, and so we're oh, okay. tinkering yeah. with that right now in the, uh, the Raleigh brewery to figure out how we can kind of make that possible to brew in at the Wake Forest hideout. So I heard that you don't, you d- until now you didn't have a pilot system. Is that right? Man, we, we, we still don't really have a pilot system. Oh, you don't? We don't. Um, no. Brewing on the, the 20 barrels no, at a time, right? Pilot batches. I mean, yeah, we can, we can do 15, um, and if we really, you know, want to push it, we can do 10, but the efficiencies get all weird when we try to do that. So we try not to go below 15 barrels. Um, so, you know, if we want to kind of toy around with something, a new idea, um, we will do like specialty infusion kegs. And if it works out, we'll, uh, we'll scale it up to a 15 barrel batch and serve okay, it in a okay. tasting room. Um, now you said that you don't get too crazy, like some of the, the culinary stuff there. What What's the wildest beer you've done at Lone Rider? The wildest beer we yeah. did at Lone Rider? Well, it's 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 a Magnificent 77. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys had that down in Atlanta, but it was a IPA that had 77 different hop varieties from seven wow. different continents. Oh, it was 77 IBUs, 7.7 um, uh abv yeah it was 77 so that, all around did that beer cost um, like 40 dollars a bottle for like a 12 ounce or 77 dollars. <laughs> 77 dollars. Yeah. Right. i missed yeah, an opportunity exactly. there i'm sorry <laughs> yeah so how did that how did the hot profile come out on that with that many varieties i mean you okay. know it was muddled yeah, um you you have that sure. many hops you know in addition you know it's gonna be it's gonna be muddled man and so like We've changed it in the future years. I don't know if we're going to be making it in the future. Um, but the first year we did, it was just like, it was just a big old mess um, of just muddled hop flavor. Um, people would be like, oh, you know, I think I'd, I think I'd taste Centennial. <laughs> sure, and be like, you yeah, do. You yes, do. You it's do. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you say, <laughs> yes. You throw, it, yeah. Yeah. throw yeah. a dart at a hop name and then you're like, yes, that is in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's funny is I was... Um, Shortly after we came out with the first version of that beer, I was in um, Yakima for the YCH Hop School, and I was taking a taxi back to my hotel, and I was sharing a taxi with uh, Stan oh, yeah. Aronimus, okay. and and he was like, "Oh, you're a lone rider. You just came out with that beer that uh, 
that had 77 hop varieties in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's more hop varieties than one to any other beer in the world. And he's like, well, oh, okay. Oh, hang All on. Right. Yeah. And I was like, wait, no, no, no. I did my research. It is. And he's like, no, there was this guy like five years ago that, like, you know, this guy in Denmark that came out with this beer that had like 357 different hop varieties. Wow. And then I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, well, no. I mean, it was. But it was a five-gallon batch, and he was like a hot breeder. So, okay. so well, that doesn't count. Come on. Get out of here with that. Yeah. Jalen's like, Stan, yeah. if you tell well, anybody else about this, we'll get it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we mentioned Stan a couple of weeks. Stan lives in Atlanta now. Does so really? we've had, Yeah, yes. he moved here, I guess, a couple of years ago. We've had him on the show once, and I saw him recently. Stan will be joining us again soon. He's touring. I believe he said South America is on the agenda. And we're going to get him back on to talk about kind of craft beer happenings down there. So it should be a good time. Yeah, we see him at events all the oh, time. That's it's awesome. kind of fun. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, Stan Haram is right there. Yes, yeah, checking right out there. the new yeah. breweries. You know, speaking of beers that are kind of weird, I, I, it seems weird to me that uh, your 10th anniversary beer was a Belgian quad. It seems kind of out of, you know, context or out of, I don't know. Not Lone Rider. Yeah, it doesn't the persona. seem. It does not okay. seem outlawy. What? What's? What was the story with that? Why did you go Belgian quad for a tenth anniversary beer? Personally, I love I love Belgians. Right. I mean, it goes back to you know the first little craft beer I had, um, sitting at patio bar in Amsterdam, and you know we we do make a fair amount of Belgian beers with seasonals and one offs at Lone Rider, um, so. When I was coming up with the idea for our 10 year anniversary beer, I wanted to be, I wanted to be pretty big. And I said, well, let's do, let's do a 10% quad for, for 10 years. And, you know, we don't, can't, we don't bottle anymore. We used to, we started off bottling, but we don't anymore. We haven't bottled in about eh, five or six years. Um, so I was like, let's do a Belgian quad. We'll put it in 750 milliliter champagne bottles you know, bottle condition, cork and cage, the whole deal. And, um, and it, and it turned out great. I'm very, very happy with that beer. Did you use 10 different kinds of uh, Belgian candy sugar in it? Nope. Because that would be amazing. <laughs> nope. I'm not running that gimmick anymore. <laughs> yeah, not going there. No, I did that once. That's all we need to do. No, I love quads as well. Yeah. That's uh I'm totally down for it. I haven't, did that one go to distribution? I have not seen it down here. It yet. didn't No. Um, so all the, you know, we, we brewed a, a 15 barrel batch of that. Um, and then we took about three barrels and put that into bottle conditioning, um, and sold it all out of our tasting room. Um, and then the rest we did draft and sent it out to, you know, distribution, but all the bottles, all the bottles were sold out of our tasting room. Okay. Super LE Brian Wells, bro. Yeah. Wells, bro. Yeah. And they haven't, you haven't bottled, actually bottled beer in, in quite a few years, right? It's all cans, isn't it, for you guys these days? Yeah, that's right. And so that's what made the Lone Rider X so special is because we don't have any bottling equipment anymore. You know, we have a 12 head, oh. um, you know, rotary filler for cans, you know, it's three seamer, and it can do, you know, 120 cans a minute. It's, it's, it's a, it's a nice machine, but we don't have any bottling equipment. So, Every single one of those bottles was hand bottled by me, hand corked, hand caged with me and our marketing, uh, our marketing manager, uh, Tammy. And, and then I built a, a labeling jig for it and labeled every single one of those bottles. It was, 
It was it was special. That beer was made with love. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back soon with more from Lone Rider Brewing. Hi, I'm Patrick Murtaugh from Hardywood Park Craft Brewery, and you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. and tim the beer guys if you're like us no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer which is why truck and tap in downtown woodstock alpharetta and duluth are always on our list tim why do they call it truck and tap well the tap part is easy brian they've got 18 of them as for the truck part that's where it gets interesting truck and tap features your favorite atlanta area food trucks so you're getting a different menu every day truck and tap in downtown woodstock alpharetta and duluth truck let them know that the beer guys sent you is your brewery or restaurant flooring all jacked up? Your foundation needs to be protected from heat, chemicals, and other contaminants. At the same time, you want to make sure it's slip resistant and you can clean up your messes with soap and water. You know who to call? ResTech. We've been manufacturing poured-in-place flooring since 2002, and we've got solutions to fit any facility's needs. Go on and visit our website at ResTech.net. That's R-E-S-T-E-K.net. Drop us a line and we will come to you for a free evaluation. Oh, yeah. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons can get some cool perks like Beer Guys swag, commercial-free episodes, and even some bonus episodes that you're not going to find anywhere else. Now more from Galen Smith at Lone Rider Brewing. Galen, we just opened up my personal favorite Lone Rider beer. We have Pistols at Dawn. It's also one yeah. of my favorites. Man, I, lo- I love this style of beer. I-, I like the can art. Now, I remember this one back in the day when it was in Bombers. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and getting the Bomber bottles on that one. And the, the one we're sipping on right now, we went with the, under your recommendation, we opened the 2015 Pistols at Dawn. Now, this says it is a stout brewed with uh, cocoa nibs and coffee, and I noticed that it was referred to as a brunch stout. We see a ton of breakfast stouts, but what makes this one specifically a brunch stout? Um, it is a brunch stout because, um, you know, we we were concerned with putting breakfast stout on the label, honestly. Oh, other people <laughs> use that name, huh? That's, that's correct. <laughs> I got you. Okay. But effectively, it is. Um, but we, we label it as a brunch stout, but it is a, uh, it is, you know, it doesn't really fit into a style. It's not really a, a cream stout or a sweet stout. But what it is, is a, it's, a, it's a strong stout um, brewed with oats in the mash, along with Maris Otter and your typical other uh, stout malts, roast barley, um, chocolate malt. Um, and then in the boil, we add a hefty amount of lactose to it. And then uh, in the fermentation, um, after fermentation, we add 
uh, a good amount of um, cocoa nibs from Ghana. And then we add a lot of um, cold brewed coffee from Counterculture Brewing Company here in North, North Carolina. We are both big fans of counterculture. Counterculture, good stuff. I brew them at home a lot. Yeah, I think you'd mentioned uh, off the air that that was the big treble blend, right? That is correct. Yeah, that's that's some good stuff. That's some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. it's real good. And you know, the main difference you you guys are tasting the 2015. In 2016, we decided to kind of up everything a little bit. Um, so it's higher ABV. It's now nine percent. There is more coffee, more chocolate in that beer so it's uh it's pretty much what you'd expect it to be those are some of my favorite things yeah, yeah. so yeah i'm down with that Absolutely. so this gets relate released every year around what time of the year should we expect to find this we usually release pistols at dawn um usually at the end of the year okay so we'll get it for the holidays it. brian enjoy yeah. it for the holidays pistols at dawn at the holidays yeah yeah we'll brew a batch usually like in the in the late summer early fall um, and then barrel age half of that. And then, you know, the non-barrel age gets packaged, sent out to market, and then the barrel age stuff usually um, is served in our tasting room and goes to select accounts, but it is not canned. I really want to try that, that uh, the, the barrel age version. You could, you could also look into uh, an afternoonsies beer because I haven't heard I've, – I've heard of breakfast up. I've never heard of afternoonsies. I like There's that. a good reason for that, Brian. Do you, do you, Galen? You're just you're totally humoring. I him like right Galen now, aren't a you? lot. He is my favorite person ever. Afternoonsies sounds yeah, it sounds pretty good. The thing you have to be careful of with afternoonsies is sometimes if you start first thing in the morning, you are awake when the hangover begins. Oh, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Got to be careful with those. Now, I was going to ask you about uh, if I if I read correctly, is Sweet Josie your your most popular beer? Um, no, um, sweet Joe, okay. shotgun Betty, um, usually run neck and neck shotgun. Betty usually is a, a stronger seller in the warmer month, warmer months, obviously. And then usually around like, uh, September there's a flip and sweet Josie pulls ahead. And then usually around like March, um, shotgun Betty pulls ahead. But, um, in the past two years, shotgun Betty, uh, has, has been in the front lines. It's, uh, it is the best seller. But Sweet Josie is for sure our favorite beer to brew at Lone Rider. I think it has the benefit of being hazy, and that's very cool these days. Hefeweizens and haze and all that sort of thing. Well, maybe Sweet not Josie? Some... No, you're mixing oh, them up. Oh, I'm mixing Sweet... them up. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sweet Josie has taken – okay. Yeah. My bad. I was going to say hey, a hazy brown. I mean, you know what, Galen? You can use that if you want. I don't think anybody's <laughs> – I don't, think, I don't think anybody's doing a, a, a double dry hop hazy brown. Yeah, it's not going to be me. I was getting on. <laughs> I was getting all nostalgic about Shotgun Betty because that's one of those beers that when I had it, it really, you know, really impressed me. I'm like, oh my, this is really good. I, this this is a Hefeweizen, and yet also very good. Like this does not does not compute. So I, I always think of that fondly. I'm, I'm, it was one of my f- very favorite Hefeweizens for a while. So Shotgun Betty is a good one. You know, when Lone Rider opened up, it was kind of a it's kind of a ballsy beer to come out with as your first flagship, right? Like. That's what I thought. Yeah, there's. It's not. A, it wasn't a popular style then. It's not a popular style now. But it is one of our best. It's our best selling beer. Yeah, that's just that, that. That that's crazy to me. You know, speaking of things that, well, I guess they don't have to be or might be hazy, and just beer trends in general. So you've made a double brute IPA, and uh, we kind of heard that uh, a lot about I, brute IPAs, and then suddenly they seem like they disappeared. So, I mean. 
what's what do you think the story is with that? Do you think that's a, a fad that's going out of style, or is that something that's going to be in for the long term? I feel like it's going to be around for a while because you know, I mean, it's a backlash to you know your hazy New England IPAs, really. I feel like, and then you know, and because New England IPAs and hazy IPAs and your lactose milkshake IPAs, um, you know, are so polarizing, um, especially amongst brewers. Um, I think that your brewed IPAs are going to be around a while. I mean, that's the whole reason I brewed one. Oh, you know, something that I think this is just my opinion based on my exposure to brewed IPAs that I think may have hurt kind of perceptions for some people on them. There was very little consistency from brewery to brewery as to what their interpretation of the style was. Yeah. So, you know, and that's anytime something comes out and it's hot, everybody wants to do their take on it. We had several brewers here in Georgia do their take on a brewed IPA. And I probably tried over the course of a couple months, 10 of them. Mm -hmm. They were, they were almost totally different beers going from one to the other. The ones that I tried that in my opinion, hit the style as close. And we tried, was it Camino Brewing, Brian? See, Camino had really good one. That is out, you know, out west, and they, they're close to the place where the style originated. He did one that really nailed it. The ones that I've had that I thought fit the style profile really well, I enjoyed. But there's, you know, you shouldn't get a super hazy brute. You know, you, you shouldn't get And we have. In, and we have, yes. right. Someone saying, hey, this is a brute. If you talk to a brewer and they're like, oh, I didn't use, you know, I didn't use any enzymes. I did this and that. We just did this and that they're just kind of half-hearted take on it. And if you don't have something people can identify really clearly, it does hurt the the style having some growth. There. That That is true. And I'll agree with you that, you know, it doesn't have consistency. I've had a lot of hazy brewed IPAs and it shouldn't be like that. I feel like it should be crystal clear, almost, you know, as, as light in color as water, effervescent, uh, zero uh, bitterness, a lot of aroma, but zero hot burn. And that is what we sought out to create with Double Draw. Double Draw. I think the ones we've had that uh, the, that I've liked the most have had more of a kind of a grape type hops that have tend to the lend. Whiny, like yeah, the white wine or take. grape. And I'm trying yeah. to think of uh, the hop varieties. I keep thinking Hugh Mellon. There's Hollertower Tower Blanc. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The ones that use those, that seems like that works the best. So I noticed yours is, uh, is it a double IPA? Is that because it's just the alcohol levels at a double IPA level, or did you do something further to enhance the, the bruteness of it? No, the double, the, double, the double IPA part of it is just the alcohol. But we did up the hops because it is so high in alcohol. But, man, it doesn't drink like a 7.5% IPA at all. You know, we used Pilsner malt, flaked corn, flaked rice. Of course, we used uh, the Amylo 300 enzyme in it, and then... It was Simcoe and Amarillo hot side, only on Whirlpool. And then dry hop, it was equal parts laurel and mosaic. Um, so you do get a little bit of that kind of noble hop characteristic from the laurel, but laurel is kind of a cool hop, man. It's got, it does have some Pacific Northwest uh, hop character to it as well. Good stuff. I enjoy it. Yeah. I've enjoyed the beers. And, and you know, the brute that you described to me, I'm, I'd be all about that. That sounds really good. Well, uh, Galen, we are running short on time here. We wanted to just mention quickly Lone Rider Spirits, a new venture for Lone Rider, correct? That is right. And and right now, just in North Carolina, Raleigh area, is is that a factual statement? Yes, it is an RDU area. Okay. And uh, I think right now you have out a sherry cask finished bourbon with more in the planning stages, and some of those are going to be inspired by the beers that you brew, correct? 
Yes, eventually. You will see that. I I salute your choice to use sherry casks. I like those in in my spirits. I like that a lot. Yes. We wanted to talk more about it, but sometimes the clock just uh, catches up with you there. But uh, Galen, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Coming up next week, we're going to have the crew from Asheville, North Carolina's Highland Brewing in the studio. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.